You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Welcome to the Ruv English podcast. My name is Darren Adam. Thank you very much as ever for your company and welcome to a new voice on the podcast and someone from whom we're going to hear quite a bit in future weeks. More on that after this episode of the podcast, which is The Week in Iceland with my guest Lydia Athanasopoulou, who joins me from Siglifjörður this morning in the north of Iceland. Lydia, hi, welcome. You are, of course, in the north of Iceland. I guess, given that we're sitting here on Monday morning after the weekend, just a quick reflection on the weather that Iceland has had in the last couple of days, because the north of the country was battered particularly. So did you batten down the hatches prior to the weekend? Uh, well, Godun Dayan, thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Uh, yes, so I'm here in Siglafjörður in Northurland Eistra, and uh, we did have an orange warning uh, this weekend. Uh, today is still quite windy, and uh, in my two years of living here, uh, this uh, Saturday was actually the first time mm. that the house just shook relentlessly all day uh, with everything, all the wind chimes shaking, all, all the ornaments hanging from the window shaking, yeah. and uh, albeit I do live in an old house, it's over 100 years old, but it has never shook as much as it did this weekend. And mm. I could even see our car slightly rocking back and forth uh, <laughs> from the window. Well, we are communicating by Zoom, but I can see that you are in your house. And it does, even the ornaments behind you seem to still be standing without having sustained too much or indeed any damage, which is pleasing news. Yes, uh, <laughs> I think as, as far as I know, in Siglofjörður, uh, at least, we didn't have any material damages. Uh, I do think that there was a small drill uh, from the police department and the fire brigade and the uh, uh, ambulances as mm. they did sort of go through town with their sirens on a couple of times. But as far as I know from uh, checking around, we didn't actually have any casualties or any problems. So that's uh, that's good. We're quite used to having a lot of wind here in, in the north in winter. Yes. Well, guys, I say great to hear from you. Great to see you as well. We'll move on to the week in Iceland. We talked about the weather last week on the week in Iceland. I think we've probably covered it for, for this episode. I want to talk about well, a number of stories that all sort of intersect, really. In the last couple of days, the monthly Gallup survey, the National Pulse survey, the Throthar Pulse survey, revealing the financial difficulties that people are in, one third of people in poverty or see it in others close to them. I mean, this ties in, of course, with the rate of inflation. We have the trade union body, the Icelandic Confederation of Labour, known as ASE. They say that prices are rocketing at the same time that company profits are rocketing. In other words, the companies that are selling the expensive food and fuel are doing okay at a time when people who have to buy those items aren't. And we saw another rise in interest rates as well. Last week, the central bank increasing the uh, headline rate to 6.5%. So we'll take all of those together. And it points to a difficult time for people's personal finances, doesn't it? Yeah, I think uh, globally we're seeing some issues with, uh, well, personal finances, also the housing market uh, in other places, but also we definitely see it in Iceland. Uh, there is a shortage of affordable housing. Um, I did also recently read that uh, first time homeowners uh, are at a seven-year low, uh, which especially in a country uh, like Iceland where homeownership is, uh, you know, quite widespread, mm -hmm. you know, that did seem quite worrying. Uh, as a newcomer and a young person, I uh, also realized that uh, just in the two years of living here, uh, I have seen uh, just in even our small town, how uh, prices have gone up quite drastically uh, for rentals and also um, 
house mortgages mm. um and like you said uh i did also read that you know it is getting harder for people to save money yeah. and i think this uh this is true of course of of uh, countries with uh you know in, in poorer countries but even in iceland if you see that that is uh quite worrying and i'm not sure if uh, this is also, of course, affected by, you know, the war in Ukraine and, uh, you know, the, the global supply chain was disrupted because of COVID. And I think we're still seeing the effects of that. Mm. Um, but it is something that uh, I do hope Iceland will be able to recover from, given that one thing, at least that we have going for us here, is that at least we don't have the crazy uh, energy uh, price hikes no, that indeed. other countries have, which I've been hearing horror stories yeah, from well, friends in Europe. Well, coming from the UK even just towards the end of last year, you know, into the thousands of pounds every year. So vast mm -hmm. sums of money, which is, as you say, largely or entirely pretty much unknown as a problem in Iceland. It's interesting, though, that you talk about the house prices where you are in Siglifjörður increasing so much. I wonder if that is post-pandemic with the realisation that so many, well, not every job, of course, but many jobs can be done remotely. Mm -hmm. And so if you had the choice of living in a big city or living in somewhere as unambiguously beautiful as Siglifjörður, why wouldn't you take Siglifjörður? Right, right. And as, as more people uh, do that, prices will increase. Right, right. Well, uh, a couple of things I've noticed is, uh, well, like you said, uh, uh, post-pandemic, a lot of people are being able to work from home. So I think a lot of people uh, have reconsidered um, you know, where they want or can live, given that they might be able to work long distance. Uh, in Siglifjörður especially, uh, there has been a sort of small trend of people returning here, uh, not just post-pandemic, but generally in the last decade. And I think that has to do with also the town developing mm -hmm. uh, quite a bit mm -hmm. and offering some more opportunities. But then uh, in Siglifjörður, like a lot of places around Iceland, and especially Reykjavik, which I'm sure you've noticed, is that the increase in tourism and uh, sort of short-term rentals, uh, yeah. you know, there's a huge demand for this, uh, which means that in if you just do a quick search, uh, you know, on mbl.is for for Siglifjörður, you'll see that there are uh, almost three times as many short-term rental, uh, you know, houses, so Airbnbs, mm. than there are um, just you know long-term rentals. Yeah, yeah. And even though, uh, like we said, you know, home ownership is is very common in Iceland. Uh, I think with an influx of also foreign workers moving here, which is also something that, from what I know, is is needed, uh, because again, related to tourism, you know, the, there's a need for hotels, there's a need for workers to build those hotels, and then there's a need for workers to, uh, you know, work at these facilities to uh, yeah. for tourism. Uh, you know, I think when you first arrive in Iceland, of course, it's not very easy to buy a house right off the bat, and so here in Siglafjörður, there were note I'm noticing that it's harder to buy a house and it's even harder to rent a house. And in, in Reykjavik, that's even worse. But I think people are moving uh, potentially away from Reykjavik just mm. because they can't afford to live there anymore. Well, I saw some flats, and I'm sure I didn't dream this, but it feels almost surreal. I saw some flats being advertised in Reykjavik for about 12,000 US dollars a month. Mm -hmm. Now, these might have been holiday lets, but they were also available as long-term lets. And presumably somebody somewhere has enough money to spend, mm -hmm. you know, an, an almost unbelievable $12,000 a month on on rent. Mm -hmm. And of course, people will pay whatever they can afford and a place is only worth and is worth what someone is willing to pay for it. Exactly, exactly. And another thing that, you know, we notice is that um, 
compared to other places, Iceland is not a cheap country to visit as a tourist. And uh, given that it does cost a lot of money even just to uh, travel here, mm. uh, even among the hotel industry, you know, prices are very, very high uh, compared to what they used to be. And like you said, I think it has to do with uh, the amount of money people are actually willing to yeah. give for that. And, uh, you know, for example, there are uh, global pop stars who do uh, hop over to Iceland and spend insane amounts of money, uh, you know, renting a space, going, you know, heli skiing or what have you. Um, and I do remember actually reading in The Economist a couple of years ago that they were foreseeing that the trend for Iceland uh, during the pandemic was that a lot of uh, remote workers were would be able to come to Iceland and uh, sort of stay here and work here legally with a visa yeah. um, because of the pandemic. Uh, but they were saying that the only people who could do this were people who were making more than one million Icelandic krona a month, six and a half to yeah. seven thousand yeah. euros. So obviously it was uh, catering to the people on the higher end of the paycheck scale. Unless we see some kind of change, uh, I think uh, it will end up uh, benefiting people who can mm. afford mm. it. And, you know, this this might end up causing a bit of a disparity. I want to change direction completely. Mm -hmm. And a very striking image which was used to illustrate this particular story. We're into, or last week was Sex Education Week in a number of schools across the country and across Reykjavik. And the very striking image that was used to illustrate this story by us as well, I hold my hand up to this, was of the, well, how would you describe this? The, um, the, 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 the body part. A baked penis? That would do it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except it, it's not literally that. It is bread <laughs> baked into the shape of the aforementioned right. item. Now, this was, <laughs> this was created by students in seventh and eighth grade uh, baking these body parts or baking bread in the shape of these body parts as part of the sex education and sexual health lessons on which special emphasis was placed in elementary schools and community centres last week and discussions of diversity at the same time. What I like about this is that you start with the giggling. It's almost like you get the giggling out of the way first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it leads to those serious and important conversations. Right, right. Of course, humour is a great way to diffuse any tensions and, you know, help people loosen up. And, you know, I think the fact that they do have a sex education week, I think is magnificent. And I do hope that, you know, that ha that ends up happening everywhere around the world. Um, and of course, it is, um, I think it's very beneficial uh, for everyone in the long run uh, to be, to help young children, young people uh, understand sex education from an early age, because uh, like you mentioned, also, it has to do with, you know, consent and diversity. Mm. And I think the ability to learn and understand what consent is and how to give it or how to revoke it, uh, not just, you know, between two sexual partners, but just in general is a very important life skill to be able to learn. And it's also something that I think really helps people with their confidence as well, you know, being able to learn their boundaries. I think the baking uh, idea was also very great uh, because one thing that I I think is that it can be beneficial to help desexualize sex. Uh, so not just thinking about it uh, as something that you discover in your teenage years, maybe yes. you see it on, on, on the media or on the, on the internet, and just being able to learn what healthy sexual relationships look like uh, and not just, you know, what, what it looks like when you're at the age when you actually can act upon it. So I, I think, yes. yeah, creating a, a safe space and a scenario where you can talk about these things 
uh, away from a sexualized context is very important. Took care of lunch as well, didn't it? That too, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, Hilia Guzmansdottir, who is the head teacher of this particular area, if you like, in in one of the schools in Reykjavik, Simon Skorli, said it's very important, even with very young children, to engage them in sex education because that is about consent. She says children need to learn early on that they can say no to touching that they find uncomfortable. And you can't convey that very important right without there being some discussion of sex. Right, exactly, exactly. And and also some discussion of understanding that it's okay to say no, whether to, mm. to whatever that is. Yes. Um, yeah, of course. All right, let's move on to the delayed expansion again, I think, of Akureyri Airport. Now, you are in Siglifjörður in the north of Iceland. I don't know what to what extent you would be dependent on Akureyri Airport. It's still some distance from, from where you are, but it is the airport that serves the north of the country. A number of international flights now coming into Akureyri as well, which is great for the city and great for the north. But the expansion of the airport delayed for nine more months, it seems. Yeah, yeah. It, uh, when we found out last year, sorry, in 2021, that mm. hopefully in March 2022, there would be uh, some additional international flights to I was thrilled, uh, mainly because, uh, well, from Siklifjordur, uh, Akureyri is about 70 kilometers, so about an hour and something down the road. Yeah. And like you said, it serves the north uh, incredibly, especially if you have to go to Reykjavik, uh, you know, for perhaps to see uh, a doctor or for, for any reason traveling south. Uh, it's a great convenience, uh, but also international travel, because if you are in Siklifjordur, you have to uh, drive uh, six or seven hours down to Reykjavik to then get to Keplavik. Mm. Um, and if you're flying to Keplavik, then you have mm. to figure out how, well, if you're flying to the domestic airport, then you have to figure out how to get to Keplavik. And obviously if you're flying, you haven't got a car. Uh, and especially if your flight is very early in the morning, it means, you know, uh, staying over, uh, staying the night in Reykjavik the day before. So it, it ends up give, adding at least a full 24 hours of travel. So I was very excited and I was very excited now to read that hopefully in October, uh, I think it was October, they'll be um, opening up to international flights, including England, which was was delayed due to some Brexit complications. Was it Nice Air, I think, that tried yeah. to run a service and the flight reached the UK, at which point it ran into Brexit-related difficulties right. that naturally didn't affect any of the other yeah. flights returning to other parts of Europe. That is one airline... They came back empty. Was, it came back empty, indeed. It came yes, back empty. So, so the plane, the plane <laughs> could fly, just couldn't bring anyone, which did rather defeat the purpose. And of course, that was the situation <laughs> for some time, wasn't it? Now, there are four airlines that are going to be potentially flying, not just from Akureyri, but from Eilstadir as well in, in the east of the country. But NICE mm -hmm. one we mentioned, Transavia, Holland, Condor, and Edelweiss. So it really is about opening up well, not just opening up the north of the country to people in other countries, but making it easier for people in the north of Iceland to get to other countries. Right, right, exactly. So it, it's a win-win in this respect, yeah. because um, I, uh, for sure a lot of tourists uh, probably do want to end up coming to the north, but if you only have, uh, you know, maybe a week of travelling, then uh, it, it takes a full day to get north and a full day to come back. So being able to fly straight to the north, I think, is going to be very advantageous for uh, businesses in the north mm. and the tourism industry in the north um, but then also you know it means that uh, people and Siklafjörður isn't even that remote there are places no, no. for example the northeast where it must take a very very long time to get 
to Egilstadir to then get to Keplavik to then you know travel abroad if you need to. Yeah, so if, if you're in Rovarhopen, then you're probably Rovarhopen, thinking, that's well, the place I where, where's the, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, what's your best option? Do you drive a very long way to Akureyri or a very long way to Egilstadir or a very yeah. very long way to Reykjavik? Yeah, 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 exactly. And it does up the price of traveling if you have to do this extra leg, either by car or by plane. So um, I did go ahead uh, a few months ago and I, I have booked a flight from mm. Akureyri to Denmark uh, for April. So I, I'm hoping that will go through. <laughs> mm. Nothing wrong with Keplavik, but how nice and how novel to enter the country in a different way, a different place. Yeah, and then just uh, within an hour, you're, you're home. You pick up Domino's pizza from Akureyri, as is tradition to do for people <laughs> in the north, and then you just drive home. <laughs> well, don't be drizzling hemp oil onto your pizza when you get it, because one hemp oil has been recalled because it contains the active cannabinoid THC. And without being too reductive, that's the element in in cannabis that gets people high it's the psychoactive right. bit isn't it it's not the cbd right. there's CBD, all sorts of yeah. cbd oils that are available to buy this particular hemp oil had levels of thc in it uh, from the brand muna and it has now been recalled because even a trace amount of thc renders it illegal in iceland right exactly exactly yeah and uh, i was reading that the laws are a little different from where where it came from in italy so uh, perhaps that might have been where the misunderstanding happened but uh, it was also quite a large percentage of THC it was above 10 percent uh, I think it was about 10.8 which uh, is definitely going to have some kind of effect on you uh, some kind of psychoactive effect like you said because it's not CBD which uh, can be medicinal and you know it's just with chronic pain mm -hmm. and things like this um, I did find it quite interesting when when they were asked how did they know that uh, something was up he said I dare not comment uh so i guess you know it's it's rather inevitable that you would only know there's thc in it if you had some kind of uh funny reaction yeah this <laughs> was oscar eastfeld sigurdsson who is the head of the food inspection department at the health authority in Reykjavik. he said i dare not say anything about whether or not those who consumed the oil experienced any effects and and when i looked at this story and and wrote it or rewrote it for roof english last week i'm not somebody who cooks ever at all in any okay. circumstance so the line that i found elsewhere on the internet this might be nonsense but i'm taking it at face value hemp seed oil is sometimes drizzled on rice or grain salads used as a dip as part of a sauce or even homemade mayonnaise so i'm taking that on trust from the culinary <laughs> site <laughs> where I found the information. <laughs> well, Lydia, thanks very much for going through the week in Iceland with me. I did say at the start of the show that we were going to also talk about the contribution you'll be making, sizable contribution to the Roof English podcast service in future weeks. And you are, amongst many other things, I, I think, because in Iceland, everyone does 15 different things, but you are a music journalist. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to be looking at in future weeks and, and the sort of historical lines that we'll be trying to trace between so many different types of Icelandic music? Uh, well, I am very excited to be joining you in this new uh, segment. Uh, it seems that Iceland, for such a small country, does have an amazing output uh, of music and has done for decades. And it seems that, um, well, like you said, everyone in Iceland does 15 things, but it also seems that it seems to me that everyone in Iceland has a very strong uh, creative and artistic streak, including music. Most people can sing or play an instrument. Um, so what we're going to be attempting is uh, to sort of look, have sort of an overview of the various uh, genres and styles 
uh, and beloved trends in Icelandic music, whether that's uh, you know traditional and folk uh, elements such as the rimur or the tvisungur. Uh, also, uh, a lot of there's a long classical tradition, a long choir tradition, which I find fascinating and which is still very strong across the whole country. Um, and of course, there's a huge and vibrant pop scene. Uh, that uh, what I love about Iceland, one of the things I love about Iceland is that, it, it, of course, it looks outwards, but uh, it feels quite self-sufficient with uh, the creations it, it has, uh, yes. you know, of its own. And I think this is great because, you know, locals support locals uh, quite yeah, strongly. Yeah, and I spoke to EC on the, the show a couple of weeks ago now, I think, who's the director of the Airwaves Festival, Iceland mm. Airwaves, which has been running for nearly 25 years now. And what you say there came through very clearly that yes, this is an outward looking festival that invites people from all over the world, but it absolutely celebrates and breaks indeed internationally in some cases, so many artists who come from and who play in Iceland. Right, right. And I feel that uh, the fact that also musical education is included uh, from you know a young age in the curriculum, I think, is you know beneficial for everyone you know music is great for one's uh, mental health it's great for socializing it's great for expressing oneself creatively and uh, i think you know icelanders are a very very talented uh, country and uh, they seem to 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 be prolific in it you know like we said whether it's jazz electronic mm. music um you know soundtrack music obviously you know oscar nominated oscar winning yeah. For a country of not even 400,000 people, there is an astonishing level of, as you say, in all kinds of fields, creativity. But music does seem to be one of the most obvious examples of that. So we'll get into that on the Roof English podcast service at some point in the next few weeks. I think we both have holidays and vacations to not not contend with. It's a nice problem to have, but we are both going to be away <laughs> um, at different times. But we are looking to, to get this up and running fairly soon, aren't we? Yes, and it seems like uh, the list of things to include is just growing and growing and growing. Yes, it so is. So hopefully, um, you know, we'll be able to cover a wide range of different musical styles, uh, you know, that everyone might find something uh, interesting, uh, but also, you know, to showcase to people, because I know that a lot of people, uh, you know, read up on Icelandic news and, and mm. culture, even if they have only visited here or even if they've never visited here. So I think, you know, it's a great way to introduce uh, people abroad to Icelandic music. And then if you're living here, maybe, you know, introduce you to something you didn't know existed. Sure. OK, well, let's, in that spirit, play out with a new piece of music, which I'll let you introduce. Yeah, so for today, uh, we've selected Don't Be Sad by Seabear. Seabear uh, have been active for a couple of decades. They've got at least three EPs under their belt, and it seems uh, they've got a new one uh, set for release next year. And uh, so this is from their upcoming album. Lydia, we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much. Thank you so much.
are listening to the Roof English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.